Good morning. My name's Gerald Long. It's great to be with you and welcome to everyone at Highland Park, Crossroads and O1. It really is an honour and a privilege to be able to be sharing with you this morning. Christchurch's uh, Junior My home church, having attended here for many years from 2003. And as I look around, I see many of our dear friends who we love so very much and who have loved us for so many years up to this point. Hopefully you'll continue to love us as we go forward. It's, it's really a special time for us here. Uh, it's a, a particularly uh, privileged uh, opportunity for me to say thank you because uh, the last time I was here in 20, 2014, I was actually saying the eulogy for my precious daughter, Rebecca, who went home early at 32 years of age. And prior to that in 2005, I was standing here in the same spot saying the eulogy for my youngest son, Alex, who, was, uh, who went home early at 17 years old. And quite honestly, I wouldn't be here today apart from God's grace, but I wouldn't be here today apart from your love. And so it's a great opportunity to be able to come back and say thank you for loving us so very much. We actually felt as though God was hugging us through you, if that makes sense. It was the love that was pouring out of you in so many different ways. Obviously your prayers, but many of you provided meals for many weeks for us as we were just... Uh, grieving and going through such a hard time. Uh, flowers turned up, people were giving us scriptures, all sorts of things. So thank you. Thank you, thank you for letting us be, be here and carrying on through your love. We really appreciate it. Now many people ask us, how do you leave each day knowing and, and having experienced the death of two of your three children? And quite honestly, the, the answer is, only by God's grace. It is only by God's grace that we can do that. And God's grace comes to us in so many different forms. It comes through one another. He helps helps us through one another, but also he helps us through scripture. He speaks to us through his word. And we're going to look at three verses, three of the verses that have been have meant so much to me in this journey over the last 11 years or so. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, reading from verse 16 through to 18. If you want to look in your pew Bibles, it'll come on the screen as well. God's word is so powerful. One of the things I love about God's word is that it's honest. It's honest. And so we read in this this scripture, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are retrieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far, far outweighs them all. Therefore we fix our eyes not on what is seen, But what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want to unpack these verses just for a moment, if I may. First of all, the honesty we see in these scriptures, we see in verse 16, it says that although we're wasting away, now any of us who are over 30 or maybe 40 here this morning, you know that that's true. I'm way over 40, and every morning I get out of bed, and it seems to be it takes more time to get moving, getting the body moving. We're wasting away. That's just being honest. And yet the other half of that scripture is saying, but we're looking at something else that's going on. As we're walking with Christ, our spirits are being renewed day by day. And then we move on to verse 17. It's a similar pattern. It's saying, our light and momentary troubles. I don't expect there's anyone here this morning who hasn't had some trouble in their life at some stage. Maybe there's people here this morning who are in the middle of a lot of trouble. 
Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We live in a broken world. But the other half of the verse says, as we're faithful to God's calling, what does that mean? It means to keep on loving, keep on showing his love, keep on being faithful to the things he's called us to do. As we're faithful to his calling, our light and momentary troubles, and they don't seem like it at the time, do they? But that's how scripture describes them. Our light and momentary troubles are doing what? They're achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. Paul says in Romans 8, it says our, our sufferings here can't be compared with the glory that's going to be, be shown. As Christ followers, we have an incredible future, eternal future. And what I want to speak about this morning is an eternal perspective to our lives here on earth. It comes to a conclusion, these three scriptures, three verses in verse 18, because it says, therefore, we don't fix our eyes on what is seen. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now you might be wondering, well, how, how do you fix your eyes on something that's unseen? That's a good question. It's because the Bible's speaking in that instance of a different set of eyes. Because we have natural eyes where we can see natural things all around us. But the Bible speaks that we have another set of eyes. They're called spiritual eyes. It's the eyes of our hearts. Sometimes it describes that in Ephesians 1. That's seen with your spiritual eyes. And you remember, as Christ followers, we're being called to walk not by sight, these eyes, but by faith, these eyes. And faith is being sure of what we, we hope for, certain of what we cannot see. We're being called to walk by the Spirit. And what I want to share this morning is having this eternal perspective, looking beyond just the natural things. The eternal things go on forever. The things of the Spirit will go on forever. And you, you and I know that how you view things has a huge impact on how you live. Your perspective on life, it changes how we live, doesn't it? Not so long ago, I was, I was uh, in, a, in a cinema with my wife, Jeannie, and we were looking at the screen, and either, my, either I was getting old very quickly or something wrong with my eyes, because everything looked very blurred. And, and then we remembered we were handed these glasses as we came in. And so we put these glasses on and suddenly everything looked incredible. It was all in 3D and these things were jumping off the screen at us. It was amazing. You see, the lens through which you see life has a big impact on how you live. Admiral Nemitz took over the base at Pearl Harbor in 1941. And on Christmas Day, he decided to go on a tour of the harbor and see all that was going on. And as they came back to their moorings, the boatman turned to the admiral and he said, Admiral, what do you make of all of this? There was a whole, as you can imagine, cloud of despair and despondency over the, the base at Pearl Harbor. And the admiral said, well, you, yes, I see all the destruction. I see the eight battleships that have been sunk. And I see terrible destruction here, but I see something else, he said. I see the mercy of God on America. He said, because those 200 attack aircraft from the, ja from the Japanese fleet, they made three of the most basic mistakes you can imagine. Number one, they attacked on Sunday morning when nine-tenths of the crew were actually on shore. If they'd waited and attacked when they were at sea, it wouldn't have been 3,800 people who had been killed. It would have been 38,000 people killed. Number two, yes, the ships have been sunk in the harbor, but they didn't touch the dry docks. 
And so now we can take the ships and we put them in the dry docks, we can fix them, and there's a crew all waiting to go onto those ships again. And number three, he said, just five miles away from the harbour is all the fuel of our Western fleet. It would have taken one plane to go and strife all of those, that fuel. We would really have been in big trouble. He said, they may have won this battle, but they're not going to win the war. And you see, how we view our lives here, if we just view it in the short term, we're going to miss out on some huge decisions of how God wants us to go in our lives. You know that, that our time frame of decision-making is very, very important. Just a simple illustration, you're going to have an extra drink after work. In the short term, it seems okay, but you end up with a DUI. You don't control your heart and your mind and you end up straying and end up having an affair. You destroy your marriage and your family. And in the financial world, I was in that world for 30 years, you know that you make decisions. If you get the wrong time frame on your investments, you're likely to make some big mistakes. Now, the perspective, the time frame in which we view things is very important. And Scripture teaches that we should have an eternal perspective. Moses says in Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is taking all the facts and all the figures and all the perspective, and on the basis of that, you decide how you're going to live, what you're going to do. And that's the important thing. We get that eternal perspective right, and then we live wise lives. The Bible teaches that this life is a vapor. It's a breath relative to eternity. Eternity goes on forever. And it's a wise person who sees that and says, you know what, I'm going to do as Jesus says, build up for yourselves treasure in heaven. We'll be with you forever. And yes, how we live our lives is rewarded. It doesn't get us into heaven, you know that. We get into heaven by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone here this morning who hasn't put your faith in Jesus Christ, today's the day, I pray, that you'll do that. Because this age is coming to an end. The great hope we have as Christians, the blessed hope is Jesus is coming back. I don't think it's long. He's coming back. And it says in Scripture, he says, I'm coming back and my reward is with me. What is that reward? It's a reward for your faithfulness in what I've called you to do. He's called every one of us to a specific work for his glory and his kingdom. And my reward is coming and it'll be with you through eternity. That's in the eternal inheritance. Now, I want a, a simple illustration to just get this point ahead uh, uh, over for the eternity. For that, I need a volunteer. Are there any volunteers this morning? Very quick hand coming up there. I love that. It saves you, Daniel, from having come in. Thank you so, so much. It's very kind of you to volunteer. So, I love that. I, I have to try and get a thread here from here. Let's just imagine we've got, we've got a thread here. Okay, I've got one. I've got one. Hardly see it. That thread, you can barely see it, represents our life here on earth. C.S. Lewis says, uh, our life on earth is a cover page of a never-ending story. This ribbon represents eternity. Now, you, as you imagine, it's limited. What, so what's your name? Les. Les, thank you so much. Could you mind just taking that out there, Les? You can get the picture. This is your life here, eternity. It's going on and on and on and on. And if it was a longer ribbon, it would go all the way around and keep going. <laughs> eternity goes on forever. And scripture says we live our lives in the context of eternity. We live wise lives. Thank you very much, Les. Would you mind just running up? Thank you. I didn't tell you that bit, but that's very good of you. Thank you. (laughs) 
So you can sit down if you want. You don't have to do it up, up here. But you get the idea that eternal perspective is so important. Now, I, I came to understand the eternal perspective through a broken heart. It really came home to me that how important it is to see things from eternity. In 2004, I said to my wife Jeannie, I said, does life get any better than this? We were living here in Lake Forest and had a great walk with God, loved God so much. I loved my wife so much, had three beautiful children who I I loved with all my heart. They were wonderfully talented, uh, doing so well, coming to a great church here at Christ Church, seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ on Alpha that we were holding in our home. Some of you may have come to Christ on those Alpha courses. Someone said to me this morning they were on one of those early courses. Some of you may remember that. So we were seeing great things happening. I was uh, uh, working for, uh, as an expat international banker, and it was only a few months after that that our world completely fell apart. Alex, our youngest son, was 17 years old when he took a drug with a boy at school. And that drug just messed up his mind. And he became delusional. And on the 8th of November, 2004, Jeannie was cooking his favorite meal that night. Little did she know that Alex was never going to turn up for that meal or any other meal. He went down to the lakefront and took his life. And we were now living any parent's worst nightmare. Horror. We were living a horror movie, if you like. The worst nightmare you can imagine. Jeannie, her mother's heart was completely shattered. And she went from shock to horror to anger to hatred, because one of the horrible things of suicide is blame. Why didn't she see it? Why didn't I see it? Why didn't God, what did God, where was God in all of this? To, to hatred, to unbelief. Uh, she just couldn't reconcile how this love, our loving God, who we've been serving for 24 years, could have allowed such an evil, terrible thing to happen to us. She just couldn't reconcile it. And she went, had a season of unbelief. It was an incredibly painful time. As, but as much as Jeannie ran away from God, I, I ran to God. And I used to get up early in the morning and to go down to my study and I used to weep and weep, deep guttural sobs. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. And my body used to shake and I used to get, said I was weak and I had no more tears to cry. And my prayer was very simple at that time. It was simply, why God, Why? You're my, my friend. I've been doing it with all my heart as best I could serve you for these 24 years. How, as a sovereign God who's in control of all things, all-powerful, all-knowing, how could you have allowed this to happen? And some of you may be saying, yeah. And this is a big question for many people. One of the reasons that people don't believe in God is all the suffering in the world. Or you may have lost your faith because of suffering. And I came to see clearly... God's heart and all of this. And I saw that God, from the very beginning that he created humankind, he wanted a people that would choose to love him. A people that would say, God, I want to go your way. I want to follow you. I want you to be in the center of my life. But you know, to have choice, you've got to have free will. You can't have real choice without free will. And he gave humankind the opportunity to say no to God. I don't want to go your way. I want to do my own thing. I want to be God. 
And God had warned from the beginning, if you go my way, it's fullness of life. If you go that way, it's death and destruction. And from that moment, we read right from the Garden of Eden, there's been destruction and death in this a broken world. And we see right at the beginning in, in Genesis, in, in Genesis 6, 6, God's heart was broken when he saw what was happening on this earth. You see, God wants a people that will choose to go his way and be with him. And so I, I started to see that God was working through all of this. And he showed me eternity because he showed me that Alex, who had made a commitment to Jesus Christ, and although he made a terrible mistake, what he did was wrong, I knew that the blood of Jesus had covered that mistake, that I knew that he's in heaven now. I know he's in heaven now. I know I'm going to see him again. It's just for now, it's so hard because I missed him so much. But like Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So I started to see eternity. So now I started to understand, okay, God, what are you doing through this? And as I looked through scripture, I could start to see that what God is, is saying, that he asks us sometimes to lay our lives down. It's the cross. We see that right at the beginning, right? We, we see it all through scripture. Sometimes things happen in people's lives, but through it, God works something of greater value. Joni Erickson Tata said this. She was a young woman, a 16, 17-year-old. She had a terrible diving accident, became a paraplegic from that age on, and she's been in a wheelchair for 40, 50 years. She said this. Sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. We see that with Joseph. We see that with Moses, with David. And, of course, ultimately we see it at the cross of Jesus Christ when he comes to rescue us. The most horrific thing that ever happened on earth was the Son of God, the pure and beautiful Son of God, would be tortured in front of his mother and die on a cross. But he said on that cross, he said, for the joy set before him, he endured the pain. What was he seeing? He was seeing eternity. And he was seeing his father, whom he loved with everything he had, having his children back in his arms. And Jesus was making a way for that to happen. By coming on this earth, showing us what his, God's love is like, Dying that terrible, that terrible death on the cross. Taking the punishment that you and I deserve for messing up this world and going against God, rebelling against God. He took the punishment for me to enable me to come back into relationship with his father, with the father. He saw that. He rescued us. And he came to rescue humankind. And then he said to his disciples, will you take on the rescue plan? Because you this life is a vapor. Then it goes on forever. The important thing is that souls are rescued for eternity. So then I start to say, okay, Lord, I start to see what you're doing. Through this, I have such a heart for lost people. Such a heart, because I know what's coming. You know what's coming, don't you? I know what's coming. So in that season, I realized God was drawing me away from banking. And I had the opportunity to start working with Alpha. And some of you know about Alpha. Alpha is all about letting people know about Jesus Christ so that they could be rescued for eternity. And I had a great privilege for eight years serving in Alpha and seeing hundreds of thousands of people come to know Jesus. And I could see him working through that, through this brokenness, through our broken hearts. He, he works. Lest a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. I could see that God was working through this for his eternal plan. Now, did it make it any easier, Dave? I know it's not. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. But do you know what? His grace is there for every day. 
And his word is there for us every day. So I had the privilege of serving there and through this. And bit by Jeannie came out through two dear friends who loved, loved her and took care of her. She came out of the darkness. She exchanged, uh, she had a, a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of despair. She came out and started loving the Lord again and following him, which is amazing. And our beautiful daughter, Rebecca, she was 25 years old. She'd done an MBA at Loyola University, brokenhearted with her younger brother, had, had died in, in a terrible way. She decided to come and work with me at Alpha. She became the national director for Alpha Youth. And having a huge impact for young people across the United States coming to know Jesus through this, this wonderful tool of Alpha. And it was a great privilege. She used to drive with me to work. She lived with us for 10 years. She was our, our best friend. Beautiful. Some of you knew, knew Rebecca. Beautiful, beautiful young lady. And she, we used to drive through Lake Forest. I used to go up Waukegan Road. Where our office was in Bannockburn. I used to cross over the railway line there. And we had little points on the, on the journey. Sometimes we'd stop for Starbucks. And then when we crossed that railway line, we always used to pray. We used to pray for our friends, her friends, and my friends, and for the office and everything else. We had a little moment. Those were sweet, sweet days. Happy days. And then in 2014, I had the privilege of going down to San Diego to do, speak at a Latino conference with Rebecca. She was on the platform, and I was sharing with her. And it was a privilege to do that. She stayed on down in Southern California. I had to come back for a conference in London, Alpha Conference with Jeannie. We flew over there. And on May the 8th, 2014, Rebecca had flown back from Southern California. It was a particularly hot day. Some of you may remember that day because Lake Forest was full of police cars and helicopters. She'd gone down to the lake to try and cool off. She had blood sugar issues. We think she probably fainted and fell into the lake, couldn't get out where she was and tried to swim round to the boat ramp and the water was 37 degrees and she got hypothermia and she died. One child, but two children? Come on, God, what's going on? And Jeannie, her mother's heart, shattered once again. It had been Rebecca who largely helped her to get through. But once again, you came around us. I think of dear Jenny here, who has become such a great support and help, and Alyssa and Susan Neiman and Judy Cole and others, and Mark, Mark was praying with me, helping me, and, and George Cole. And so many of you came around us, and you loved on us, and you helped us. But even in that, Jeannie, she says, I can't do this again. She nearly died after Alex. She had a, her intestines knotted twice because of the grief. Her fragile body said, I can't do this again. She decided to take her life. She went up to, to Rebecca's bedroom. She, was, she wasn't going to come out of that bedroom. And as she went into the bedroom... The grace of God came in the form of his presence. You see, his grace comes to give us what we need to do the things he's called us to do. His grace came, and it was the presence of God in that room. It wasn't tangible with a natural eyes, but she saw with her spiritual eyes there was a white light, very white light in that room. And in that moment of God's presence, her spiritual eyes were opened, an awakening to God, how great God is. For that instance, she saw the greatness of God and she saw how tiny she was. 
And God said to her, Jeannie, your grief is not your own. And she then said uh, after that, she, all her heart was was to say, I want to hear those words at the end, end of this race, the end of this life. Well done. You were faithful to what I called you to do. She came downstairs. I was sitting down in the kitchen. And I straight away said to her, Jeannie, what's happened to you? The presence of God was still showing, manifesting on her face. It was amazing. Now, the, the interesting thing is, and we've seen this so many times, is that it wasn't just me who was the witness to it. We weren't seeing many people in those days. We, it was the pain. It was too, we were too raw. Jeannie didn't want to see anyone. She was too painful. But we happened to have two other people we were going to see that day. Just by a God incident, Judy Cole came round for, for coffee. Do you know what the first thing she said to Jeannie? What's happened to you? She could see the presence of God had done something in Jeannie. He'd li- lifted that terrible offense. God, how dare you do this? He'd lifted it and given her a different perspective on life. And then we were going around to Daniel Alyssa's that, that, that night. Door opens. The first thing that Alyssa says to Jeannie, Jeannie, what's happened to you? You see, the pre- in the presence of God comes where our eyes are opened to a bigger picture, an awakening of how great God is, how amazing he is. So then we came to realize, okay, God, here we are. That's all he asked all of us to do, by the way. Here's my life. You do what you want with it. And we realized he had a big plan because we knew that God doesn't waste anything in our lives. You know that. Anything that's happened in your life, God wants to use it for his glory. You might have said, or someone else might have said to you, oh, you're finished. you're, You're no good. All this has happened to you. No, no, no. God says the opposite. He says, no, I want to use what's happened to your life for, for my glory now. Like with Joseph, I want to turn it around. Satan may have attended it for evil, but I want to see it turn around for my glory, for the saving of many lives. So we realize that God had something big going on here. Because after Alex, it was Alpha, and we saw lots of people, hundreds of thousands of people coming to getting, getting saved, coming to know Jesus. There must be something big going on here now. God wants to turn it around. So we had this thing about awakening to God. And we realized that God had put into our hands his comfort. In 2 Corinthians 1, it says, the comfort wherewith you've been comforted, you can comfort others. That's how God works. He redeems things. He turns things around to help other people. Last night, someone came up afterwards and struggling with alcohol. And I was able to say, God wants to rescue and set you free. And then you can go and help other people. That's how God works. You see, his ever-expanding kingdom. So now we see, okay, God, you've taken us through brokenheartedness. We see that through awakening to God ministries, you want to rescue people with broken hearts. And we've been helping already so many different people who contact us and everything else. Depression. Jeannie had many years of depression. So many people depressed today. You want us to help people who are depressed suicidal maybe you had suicide in your family or maybe you've been she was she was bombarded by a spirit of suicide for so long you want to help those people people with marriage issues because our marriage statistically shouldn't have lasted up to 19 out of 20 people marriages fail after the after the suicide of a child and then a second child i'm more in love with Jeannie now than i've ever been that's the grace of god so we can help people who are going through those situations. We've been there. It was Betsy Ten Boom who was in Auschwitz, and she turned to her sister Corrie, and she said to Corrie, Corrie, you've got to tell, we've got to tell people that God's grace can meet them wherever they are. And she said, Corrie, they'll believe us because we've been here. And Corrie Ten Boom had a huge impact. And so when I said, okay, God, 
And the, and the fifth thing is eternity. Awakening the church, awakening people outside the church to eternity. Guys, this age is not going to go on forever. Either you're going to go and be before God, or he, Jesus is coming back. I think he's coming back soon. <laughs> no, he's coming back. And then this age will be over. And then we stand before the Creator God, and we all want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, you did what I asked you to do. That's all he asked you. I don't know what he's asking you to do, but be wise and do it. <laughs> That's all he's asking us to do. So we said, okay, Lord. And then we started to get a heart for India. Our heart was getting burdened for India. We weren't sure why. I visited there when I was in banking, and I, I was, my heart was broken by the, the sadness and the suffering there. That's really what God's done. He's given us a, a great compassion for people who are suffering. And I, my heart was broken when I saw all the suffering. It's known as the land of the suffering, India is. As we were praying, I got a phone call, and someone says to me, hey, would you come and speak to our leaders' conference in Nagpur at the end of October? And... I said, yeah, I would do that. It was just a confirmation of what God was saying at the time. And then we thought, well, God, what do you want us to do? And our founding, founding scripture for awakening to God is Isaiah 61, first four verses. You remember when Jesus started his ministry, he said the same scriptures, the same words that were in Isaiah 61. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to do what? To preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring freedom for captives. Who are captives? Captives are people who have had things happen in their lives through no fault of their own. There may be people listening this morning who have maybe abused as children. Maybe you've lost your health. Maybe you've lost your finances. Things, you didn't cause it. And then the prisoners, to bring light to those who are in prison. Prisoners are people who have made wrong decisions. And maybe they've got into addiction, or maybe they're actually incarcerated. Either way, whether you're a captive or a prisoner, Jesus wants to set you free. That's good news, isn't it? He wants to set you free and bring you into the fullness of life that he's got. So we're saying, okay, well, what do you want us to do while we're in India? And the first thing of that scripture is to bring good news to the poor. And we thought, wouldn't it be fantastic if we can ex- express God's love to people in India? And so we decided to do two things. We said... Let's, let's go for 100,000 households of the poorest of the poor, people in poverty, and we will give them two things for free. We'll give them a mosquito net because many people are dying of mosquito bites, thousands in India, especially children. We'll give them a mosquito net and we'll give them this calendar. So mosquito net for their natural needs, calendar for their spiritual needs because what they're told in India many of them from, from Hinduism, is that what you're suffering is what you deserve. You did something wrong in your, in your last life, you deserve it. You've got to go through this suffering to get, get into a better life next time around. I know a God who says, no, no. I want to rescue you where you are and you're suffering right now. I want to come and through my son Jesus, I want to bring you into my arms and hug you close so that you can be with me for eternity. And every, every day of the year 2017 is a scripture that speaks of God's love for people. These are the scriptures that God fed us with. One of my, one of my favorites right at the beginning of this, your words are what sustain me. How many people can say that? Your word is what sustains me. Every day he comes, he speaks his word by the Holy Spirit to us and it, and it restores our soul. They are food to my hungry soul. 
They bring joy to my sorrowing heart and delight me. Isn't that beautiful? And so what we want to do, we want to give out. And so I want to ask you, dear friends, loved ones who who have journeyed with us so long in our home church to help us with this. I want every one of us here to have one of these calendars, if you will. They're out on the platform. I'm going to ask, thank Alison. She's been such a great star in helping us to get this all set up. But for every one of these that you buy, and they cost $10, but let me say, if you can't afford that this morning, then just take one. We just want you to have it, all right? If you can afford more, you might want to pay more. But for every one that's, every one that's purchased, we're going to give away 20 to families who are in poverty in India. Good news to the poor. Isn't that great? The love of God spreading across this universe. Hallelujah, which is, which is wonderful. And then if you want to get involved with the, with the mosquito nets, we've got to raise 130,000, but that's, a, that's another target, as it were. But I just put that for your prayers. Just pray about that for us. And we want to get, next year, we want to go to a million people and, and build 100 wells. And we want this to grow and grow and grow. And we, want, we realize that God's given us this message for people. And we see that through social media, we can reach so many people. It's the equivalent of the Roman road when the gospel went out. The Romans built the road so that the gospel could go out. Alexander the Great developed Koine Greek so that the New Testament could be written in Koine Greek so people could understand the gospel. And then there was the story. It was the story of Jesus Christ. And we realized that God has given us a story to connect with people all around the world. And arguably you can say that Suffering connects with more people than even the story of love because not everyone knows what love is, but they know what suffering is. And you know what? They listen to us because of what we've been through. And so by God's grace, we say, okay, Lord, use us to reach millions. Not millions. For every one of our children, we're saying to God, we want one billion souls to hear about Jesus. Do you know there's 1.5 billion people use Facebook? So we're starting to use Facebook. Now you can go onto the site if you're a Facebook user. I know some people aren't. But if you're Facebook users, we started doing this back in May of this year. As at June, we had 2,000 people following us and commenting and sharing. This morning, there are 107,000 people who are following us on Facebook. The potential to get the gospel out through the, through the social media is unbelievable. And so we want to use every which way we can. We're going to start to do a movie. We've had, that's one of the reasons we, we went down to, we now see, we didn't know at the time, we moved down to Malibu. It's the place of connection for global communication. Many of the studio heads are there and the actors and the movers and the shakers in the, in the uh, um, movie world. And we've already connected with, with a number of them. And so there's going to be a, a movie coming out. You might see some cameras around Lake Forest going forward because we want to tell the story of God's grace. It's God's grace. Lord, use this life for your glory. We don't like it, I'll be honest. The cup is bitter, but hey, this is what God's given us, and by his grace we want to do it, and, and we'll glorify and honor his name. So in closing, I want to give you three, three things to remember, if you will, from this morning. Number one, I want to encourage every one of us here that you go on from this point forward and you live with the eternal perspective. It really makes no sense to live with just this life in view. Live for eternity. In other words, you say to God, do with me as you will, and I trust you that your grace will be sufficient for me, whatever you want me to do. 
And in doing that, you will build up yourselves treasure in heaven that will be with you for eternity. And you, and you and I will come and you, hopefully you'll come and shake my hand when we're in heaven and you'll say, thank you for getting me to do this because look at all the, the great reward I've got through eternity. goes on forever. That's amazing, isn't it? Number two, I encourage you to enjoy, to appreciate, to love your loved ones with everything you've got. Your spouse, your children, your extended family, because I can tell you when they're not there, you've missed them so very much. Appreciate who you've got and enjoy them. And that gives God glory as well. So do that. And then number three, I encourage you to be strong. And we have strength, not in our strength. We have strength through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and gives us power, we're told in Acts 1 and verse 8. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will give you power To do what? To be my witnesses. To live out that which I've called you to do. So we ask the Holy Spirit, would you fill me afresh? Give me strength to do this. And then the other thing with that love, with strength, be strong and very courageous. Courage is going for it. Whatever the cost, we're going to go for it. And in doing that, we want to see God's love and his kingdom come in a wonderful way. May we just pray. Just this morning as I was praying, God put on my heart, and it doesn't always happen, I get this, but there's someone I'd love to pray for here. If you're suffering from really intense headaches, I think it may be a guy, um, uh, I I just want to share that I feel that God wants to bring some healing. Maybe the word, uh, the name Ralph comes to me, whether that's right, but I, I give that out in obedience to the Holy Spirit. I just felt that prompting. So if you're suffering from bad headaches, I'd love to just pray with you afterwards. Father, we just thank you so much for your eternal plan and purpose. Thank you for your love for each one of us and everyone on this planet. You love them so much. You didn't leave us in darkness, but Lord, you sent your precious son, Jesus, to rescue us, that we can be with you for eternity. And Lord, we're very grateful that we can be co-workers with you right now. And so, Lord, I do pray that each one of us will live with that eternal perspective And we'll trust you that you'll give us the grace to do the things that you have planned in advance for us to do. Lord, we're living for your glory. It's not about us. It's all about you. We want to see Jesus lifted up. We want to see your love shed abroad in this dark and troubled world. We pray this for your glory and for your honor. Amen.